0: Today, I'm Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. It is the third Friday of the month, and that means we are joined by the MedCityMovieGuy.com, Chris McSanic.
1: Good morning, Chris. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, greetings and, and all that stuff. You know, we are uh, so close to, to Christmas. It has just snuck up. You yes, know, it I, has. I think I think the older you get, the more you realize that the people who were uh, directing the film noir movies uh, really had figured it out. Because life now is like one of those black and white calendars where the pages are just flying off of it. You know, uh, uh, you you blink and you you know. Thanksgiving's already way in the way in the rearview mirror, and Christmas is upon us. So, um, one of the things we didn't get to, I think, last year, uh, was to talk about some of the Christmas favorites, the must-sees, and what some of the local uh, local people are are liking the best. Uh, the first thing I, I wanted to share with you was was a, a survey, which I thought was very relevant, and it said quite quite clearly, "Do you even have?" A holiday movie tradition. This was one of the uh, Microsoft, uh and and um, uh, I, well, do you? I mean, do you have like every year we watch whatever? Do you have such a thing? I think at some point
0: during the day or Christmas Eve, it'll be, it'll be on, and I don't know if it'll be watched specifically. Uh, but the old you're gonna shoot your eye out Christmas yeah, story uh, movie,
1: Christmas story, sure, because it's on yeah, twenty four that...
0: hours a day, basically.
1: Yeah, but I mean is it a personal thing where you say every year we watch – You know and a a tradition is it a tradition i mean it's a wonderful life used to be the movie that was on 24 7 then it's a christmas story um one of the things we do every year is we make sure we watch um the lemon drop kid this is a bob hope version of it it's a damon runyon story damon runyon did uh, a lot of famous things guys and dolls for example and it's i think it's one of bob hope's best i mean he's he's a witty character it takes place during the christmas season uh he he and some of his friends uh, get get together, dress like Santa, and collect money, you know, on the corners down in in uh, Lower Manhattan, that kind of thing. It's very fun movie. Uh, that's kind of our tradition. And then we also watch, and I, and I, and I hope everybody everybody can find it on YouTube. But there's a, a Jack Benny Christmas. Uh, Uh, episode where he's shopping in a department store and of course jack benny is notably famous for being cheap not in real life he wasn't but in in his character was so that those are the two traditions we have but surprisingly according to this uh, survey 34 percent don't really have a christmas you know tradition or a christmas favorite which which i thought was kind of interesting um meanwhile our, our friends at google uh the the top christmas movie searches this is what they think tells a lot about what people like to see uh, what would you think is the number one searched movie mm. uh, i'm gonna go with the christmas story again just because and it, it seems so and popular it, and it is. It is a Christmas story. And, and the second most popular, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, remarkably, the third one doesn't really fall on my radar and it should. The Polar Express um, and then the fourth we, – we won't go through all of them obviously. But the, fourth, the fourth, most, fourth most searched also happens to be Rochester's favorite Christmas film and maybe even surrounding areas. We'll circle back to that. And w- what do you think Rochester's favorite film is? and it's not one of the above that no it's mentioned. not one of the above it's national lampoon's christmas vacation which, which <laughs> does kind of yeah it hits on all the elements um and anyway uh on that same note uh, some of our friends down at the spring grove cinema uh, a while back had posted asking what what the area's favorite christmas movie was they got a they got quite a few responses. Um, a lot of them were for Christmas Story. If I had to guess, I would say most of them, uh, you know, and again, this kind of jibes with what with, with what I've been hearing, uh, Christmas Vacation. So I, I think that says a lot about traditions because certainly when you think of cri- traditional Christmas films, it's A Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street. Um, and when so, you, so it's not necessarily National Lampoon and Chevy Chase. However... <laughs> One of, the, but 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 keep in mind, one of the one of the pivotal points in Christmas Vacation is Clark Griswold trying to maintain Christmas tradition, right? Reading, sure. reading the night before Christmas, and all that. So even though it's it's a different, um, a different type of film. For uh, you know traditional Christmas movies, it still manages to maintain the traditional theme. So I think that's an interesting thing. I think that says a lot. Um, one of the things that I, I want to make sure that we get to is um, this whole controversy about is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? Um, I think that would be called a manufactured controversy. It, it is exact. Okay, well said. And what I say. <laughs> I say it's kind of like this whole QAnon and Flat Earth Society where I don't think people believe these things. But they have fun playing as if they did. So I think it's fun to say, you know, it's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls from the Nakatomi Towers. And although those are fun things to do, but I'm not sure people believe it's actually a Christmas movie. And somebody actually had a a great litmus test. They said if you are watching a movie in July – and somebody walks in and says, "Hey, why are you watching a Christmas movie?" Then it's a Christmas movie. So huh. that's what that's what their litmus test was. So the point, I guess, I'm get I'm circling to is, if you are watching Die Hard in July, are are people going to say, "What are you watching a Christmas movie for?" I, and I don't think they will. Um, and yet, but but on the other hand, and this is kind of the other interesting thing. On the other hand, the debate apparently is settled because the uh, one of the screenplay writers was written by two guys, uh one of the writers named Jeb Stewart. He said that it definitely is, and here's why he he said that he was out in l a and he was thinking about you know where to set where where and how to set the movie um and he was getting nostalgic and wrote it around Christmas time and decided to set it at christmas time, and that was why he thinks he says he says. This is a quote, definitely a Christmas movie so oh. take take your word for that now the the you know maybe it is, maybe it's not again, you know the original if you if if you heard this, I don't know if you heard it or not, but the original opening to uh Irving Berlin's white Christmas was basically I'm sitting in a swimming pool here thinking about white Christmas right it's again it's lamenting those memories lamenting the loss of those memories uh there's an obscure version of uh, rosemary clooney singing this so-called lost verse so it's not it's not like the flat earth society or anything else there really was a verse that talked about <laughs> I'm, in Bever- I'm in beverly hills i'm looking at palm trees thinking about the old days and and again i think that's the theme that, that seems to work in a lot of these christmas films is exactly the nostalgia for or the Christmas of yore, as they say, and um, and and on that note, I want to transition to the final movie, which is probably the best of all, and it's what you mentioned earlier, and that's a Christmas story. So w- why is that one so effective? Okay, um, I mean I have my theory, but. Um, it was the original one, and this is why I'm kind of shying away from the uh, – this the, kind of the revisit one that's a, that's available now. But the original one was written by an uh, author named Gene Shepherd, who had a book, famous book called In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. You might have heard the title it seems like. Yes. It's like kind of a cutesy title. And if you read that book, that book talks about uh, just about every character – that you see in the film and most of the things that you see in the film were scattered throughout the the book and his life they didn't all occur at christmas i think i think the movie did a great job of pulling together all of these characters and incidents and you know wrapping them around this this christmas theme but uh, but they were they didn't necessarily actually happen that way but the first one worked on many levels it's it's basically like a, a I don't know. It's almost like one of these lifetime films that, you know, I'm going back to the hometown. Uh, this is what I'm referring to as the the current one. Um, maybe that'll work, but if it does, it's not in the same way. Okay. Um, my dad had one of those Red Ryder BB guns um, <laughs> a, when he was a kid. And the sure. thing about Red, uh, I don't know that a lot of people know this, but this character, Red Ryder, this was a, a very popular film and series of film shorts. That were going on in the 40s, okay? Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. So it's not just a Red Rider being A Red Rider was a big deal in those days. So I mean, Red Rider—he he could have made a a coffee pot, and people would have got excited about it. It was a huge deal. Um, and Robert Blake, who was in Beretta, he he was uh, a a little Native American kid, famous character in the Red Rider series as well so much history is lost that the context of of why we like something or or why we ought to like something is also lost right when you when you lose the history so my point my point here is my dad had one of those guns. My mom actually still has it in the garage. I, we were there for Thanksgiving and I walked right by it. I'm like, man, she still got that big piece of duct tape holding the stock on. It was a wooden stock, wooden stock. This is plastic now. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is the original film spoke to him in such a genuine way that I even got like kind of a contact high from that, that this is this is such an authentic of the season of, of the way kids in those days thought and all that sort of thing. That I think that's a very very valuable thing because at the end of the day, it's one of the reasons why so many of these films today the, the they call them woke films, you know, where they try and jam all these different sorts of identities in these movies, and why they're they're not why they're well they they're not working, you know, and it's because the audience for who identifies with these characters or who cares about these characters, it's not, it's not as big as I think the Hollywood decision-makers think. And, and uh, that's why a film like Christmas Story appeals because it does tap into a, a feeling that a lot of people have. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I,
0: <laughs> I remember when the film first came out in the 80s and the things that happened in that film we're not so far removed from things that happened in my early childhood, my younger days. Uh, the snow suits that were so puffy—you know, it's a, it's an exaggeration, but it there's so much truth to it that, um, and even playing with BB guns. I mean, everybody heard at some point if you went out flanking cans with a BB gun, either your dad, your uncle, your mom, somebody said, "Be careful! Don't shoot your eye out." It was what was said to you. Um, and a lot of those it was set in the 40s but life had not changed that much by the 1970s now it's changed dramatically from those days so i am a i'm amazed at its continued popularity though
1: well i'm i'm encouraged by its continued popularity and uh because it tells me that the themes in the film you know just kids kids allowed to be kids Right to go off and play with other kids, right? What we would call yeah. them uh, free free range kids is what. We yeah. Now call you them might today. get arrested
0: if you let your kids. Oh yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know you couldn't do that today, and and yet it was such a joyful time. You know, kids had these vivid, wild imaginations. Right? He was going to defend the house against these marauders coming over the fence in the backyard. I mean, it's just a brilliant, a brilliant view of what it's like to be a kid. And in fact. There's probably a lot of kids growing up today. They don't know what they're missing. I, I'm sounding like an old codger now, you but do. you don't you don't know what you're missing because you never really had that. But but as a as the as the older generation looking at these people say, so you, you I, I wish that you had some of the joy. You know, yes, sure, we didn't have the internet in those days. We didn't have video games, but you know, we had something more valuable. I I don't I, know. I don't know. Again, it sounds like a big cliche, but. Um, no, nope, yeah, and and I'm in perfect agreement
0: and among the younger generation, I, uh, well, I'll say among my kids, I detect a um, regret that they didn't experience it when they ask me questions about what it was like growing up in the 1970s and I will tell them these stories and and they'll look at me like, you could never do that today. That sounds so much fun. That sounds like, yeah, yeah, well, we have to take a break. We're. We've been yakking for a while here, so we will continue with the com. Chris McSanick in a moment on uh, Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. CityMovieGuide.com with us. And last time we chatted, you lobbied me to check out this series called The Chosen, which, well it's not the christmas story but it's the story of jesus christ as he's gathering his apostles and i promised you that i would check it out and i am i guess i'm binging it now it's great
1: <laughs> yeah and that was the intent of um of the uh, the creator of it uh, is that he said i want to create a bingeable series about you know jesus and his followers um so the 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 time frame of this is you know the last I suppose it'd be about three years um, that uh, he had, that Jesus had the, started the ministry and was gathering, again, choosing, if you will, the apostles. Um, so what's remarkable about this series is, um, you know, somebody was what we would call a cradle uh, Catholic, right? I was born and raised that way. So I, over the years, I have seen a lot of Catholic, – in Catholic school, you see a lot of the videos and, and things like that. And the production quality is not great, Um and sometimes it's it's so bad it's it's the opposite of engaging. It's distracting even. Um, so there's all of those kinds of things. Uh, and and plus the message is mostly scripture per se. But but this what what the chosen manages to do is they manage to. Create characters and create backstories for all of these apostles who you know you pretty much only know by name, you know Simon and you know whatnot. And actually, not just not just the apostles, but all the all the uh, peripheral characters as well. And it really gives them a personality, um, and and something you can relate to. Again, I talked about this in the last segment that the secret to success is to have characters that are relatable, you know, that you care about, um, not not just characters. With attributes that are foisted on you, but that you, that you can really engage and and uh, have a visceral connection and so I think that's what works here. Um. And it's it's it's. I think you used the term off offline. You said it was it was more of a of a lightheartedness um, and even some yeah. humor. And uh, I think that's absolutely true. And it's a requirement because let, let's face it, as we've said on many occasions, uh, people don't change. Okay, you know, a hundred years ago there were characters like you and I with you know strange sense of humors or di- different levels of interest and very similar motivations. And and I think that it's it, it's not. It's not inappropriate to apply that to characters two thousand years ago because that's how people were, and people those attributes haven't changed. And uh, I think that's what really works about this. And the reason that we talked about it not not just because it's an outstanding series, you know, it's developed by and large for the small screen, but you know most content these days has come to netflix uh, paramount plus or whatnot so the, the distinction there isn't even relevant anymore but at the time that we talked about it around thanksgiving time it was opening the season three was dropping and the first two episodes were opening in theaters and it was a wide release so that uh we said the Warenberg, for example uh had it um and what's and, and and of course i went because it was something i'd been looking forward to but um uh the the, the good news was that um it it came in number 2 that weekend at the box office did so it think really that's that. That think is about great about that yeah now and i'll the, admit you know the, the, yeah the, i'll admit box offices you know last year or two have been kind of lackluster but this this proved that you know topics you know moral Moral threads you know they again, they can still bring in dollars, so you know we talked about contrast that to some of the the woke nonsense that that people are trying to put out, and you, you see that people are still going to talk with their dollars, they're still going to be and in fact, it was supposed to be only a, I think they called it an event. Type film where you rent out the theaters for for like the week or whatever, and it got held over uh, for I think it was almost two weeks that it stayed instead of just a couple days uh, because it it persisted, it continued to do well. And I think it's it's going to be it's going to
0: turn into even larger phenomena because of the word of mouth. It's not it's not heavily marketed. It is almost strictly word of mouth, and, and as people continue to talk about it and how entertaining it is, they've taken. Uh, a, a biblical story, and put the as you put you put a personality and face to these characters, like Simon the fisherman. That, oh, you know, you find out that he's the the town big man on campus guy, and he's full <laughs> of bravado, and everybody loves to hear his stories, and he buys everybody drinks at the the local pub, and. Uh, but at the same time he's living a false life where he is deeply in debt and the romans are coming after him for back taxes and yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's like it, it
1: flesh it out to that level it's it's, it's really good yeah, and I think uh, you know, boy, if you if you were to watch this and then go back to some of the, the scripture readings and things like that, you'd say, "Wow, I can I can visualize this now, right?" Because yeah. in the past, sometimes when you hear these things, it's it seems like it's a world away. Or a, but now, when you have these characters that you can, I could picture people saying this now. I can. I'm I'm understanding con. This is what I'm saying. I'm understanding context and background. Um, and if and 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 this has done a, a tremendous job, and the production value is really good it is uh and i think th- that in itself is is part of is part of the message is you know we can and it, and and the other thing is it's all crowdfunded so it's not as if some big studio said you know we're going to give you a 90 million dollar budget to do something this is all crowd funded i mean i sent them a few bucks myself but this is kind of how it's being done is with donations um and it's still yeah. under under it's still in development. So you know, if you want, if you go to their website, uh, just do a search for the chosen, and you probably have to click a few links to get there. But you'll see that I think they're currently developing, funding, and developing season four now. But uh, they have a, a bunch of swag. You know, if you want shirts or whatever, they have study guides because some <laughs> of the, some of the some of the churches are having like viewing nights. Um, you know, every Thursday we're gonna watch an episode and have some talking points discussion points and things like that so so it, it really is a little bit of a phenomenon you're right a lot of it's word of mouth uh, a lot of the churches are you know putting in a plug saying you know check it out and uh yeah it's it's something to be seen yeah it's really yeah. really really glad that it's taken off we have taken another break
0: already gosh uh we'll be back <laughs> more with chris mexanic the Med city movie dot com right after this break on news talk 1340 kroc am at 969 fm Oh, I want. Friday morning. I'm Andy Brownell on New Stock 1340, KROC AM, and 96.9 FM. If you're just joining us, it's our Friday morning to talk with the com. Chris McSanagh. It's the MedCityMovieGuy.com is not his name, but <laughs> it's in the contract. I have to mention it. So you go to the website go. <laughs> <of yours. laughs> no, that's true. All right. That's true. We've uh, spent the first half of the program talking holiday movies and. I don't know. I, I would call it a religious program, or religious show, but it's um, it's so entertaining. I don't know if it fits exactly in the genre. But during the uh, the news break, you told us we're shifting gears, or turning sharply left, or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, we are. We're we're gonna go into the uh, mysterious, the occult. Um, oh. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the famous Miss Cleo from the uh, '80s and '90s. She had a. She had a. One nine hundred number you can call and have all your all your questions answered by the reading of the tarot cards. I'm not sure if you remember Miss Cleo. I do. Um, yeah, it's important. And, and again, I, 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 let me let me start off by saying this: this is not this movie should not have been made the way it was. And I'll tell you how I think it should have been made in just a second. But I think that this movie or this topic anyway is just as Relevant and and for me, uh, just just it has the essence of what could have been a great film like the Automat. You know, we talked about the Automat a few times. Um, it was I I think it's one of the year's best films, but it's documentary based on food vending machines. You know, for lack of a better word, um, uh, description. And you know, the Automats were you know ubiquitous for a while on the East Coast. It's where people ate. They were the largest uh, restaurateurs for a while, um, and. This, this story of Miss Cleo came about in the late, I guess, mid to late 80s. Um, and what it was, was it was a, they advertised on TV. It was dial-up number. And um, you paid something like four ninety nine a minute <laughs> to, to talk to this psychic, basically. And Miss um, and Cleo was, was probably the most famous of these uh, 1-900 numbers. So there was a time... Before the internet and all this other stuff, where you would call for things like, you know, the weather, sports results, whatever. And um, it was a 1 900 number. And again, a lot of people might not remember that. A lot of people are probably right now saying, holy cow i totally forgot about those you know um and for you know dollar 99 299 whatever the cost was you would get some kind of content some kind of service in fact uh one of my favorite ones was uh grandpa munster he you know what everybody was getting in the act and he had his you know be a junior vampire um you know call now and you know he would tell you vampire stories or whatnot i'm sure they were recordings and things like that and uh yeah and i think his was uh I think his was a dollar a minute, but again, that's not that part's not relevant. And it got so- tacked onto your phone bill. Oh and it got tacked onto your phone bill and a lot, and, and and I mean they they talk about that in the documentary. Documentary is called by the way Call Me Miss Cleo. And they talk about a lot of that where parents and things were shocked to get a phone bill with you know what's this $40 charge you know it's like well your kid was on the phone for an hour with I don't know sports talk or whatever it was <laughs> you know or something a little seedier. But um so they talk a little about Miss Cleo she was a uh, she had this they called it a fake Jamaican accent. Uh, she was a, basically a. The character she created, I think, in Seattle, and and uh, you know they 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 thought about it and they said you know that this accent, this persona that she invented, would be very effective at making somebody think that she possessed the skills of uh, of an all telling you know you know uh, psychic, if you will. And um, so from that, they developed this whole. You know, um it uh, I guess I'd call a suite of of people who would you know answer the phone um uh, oh miss, miss Cleo's busy right now i I can do the reading in f- you know, her absence and you know, and then they go through talking about the scripts that they had and kind of how how much of it probably was a little bit of a scam um they said in fact, speaking of scams, they said Miss Cleo probably made less money than anybody because she sold his character, and uh i I think they said uh that. The couple people running the company uh, got, you know, ninety-nine percent of the money. At one point, the total amount billed for these Miss Cleo number, the total amount billed was a billion dollars. Oh my gosh, really? That's over a billion. And this is nineteen ninety dollars. So that's a that's a tremendous amount. Okay. Then the film goes on. I think the third act it goes off the rails. It gets into identity politics and things like that. But here's what I wanted to say though, that this movie. this documentary is as, as a 90-minute documentary. I, I, I don't know how much I'd recommend it. But if somebody did a documentary on 1-900 numbers, this phenomena that just came and went, it's, it's almost like the eight-track tape. It came, it was the biggest thing that hit us, and then boom, it disappeared, right? And if you blinked, you, you didn't even know what a phenomenon was. And I, and I think in a lot of cases, that was kind of like the 900 numbers, right? They were, they were a joke for a while. I mean, if you watch some of this, the, the shows that, that, that skits at the time, everybody had a 1-900 number. So I thought to myself, if you were going to do a documentary about that – you know you you would you know you might even include some of the infomercials and stuff in there but there were a lot of these 900 numbers uh, at the time and I just thought that that would have been a better you know if, if hers was just one segment of a larger documentary that talked about this phenomenon I think that would have been better but nobody consulted me right yeah you have to crowdfund that one yeah you have to crowdfund that one so but uh, but some of some of I think the best gags that we've seen on TV are, are things like the infomercials and, and the 1-900 numbers. I was thinking about the Euro Painter the other day. And um, there there was a guy, a character, character who's a host named Mike Levy. He wore these bizarre sweaters and things like that back in the day. And they even invented like these talk shows. This His was called Amazing Discoveries where he would have these basically – salespeople come on talking about car wax or you know painting systems for your living room and i mean the 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 extent that they went you know to to make to legitimize the stuff you know um it, it just it was amazing to me so um i think i think the real documentary would have been that phenomenon as opposed to just picking picking one but i'm glad they did because you know who else would have remembered Deon Warwick's Psychic Friends Network if it wasn't for stuff like this?
0: <laughs> There's what I had forgotten about. That's funny.
1: Okay, um, I, I. Oh, do we have time to shift here? Yeah, we can go a couple more minutes. Oh, and oh shift okay. I'm we sorry. Take a break. I'm sorry. All right so uh, I wanted to get into some of the more uh, I guess significant films of the uh, of the season this is uh, uh, what a lot of people call the awards season now you know if if awards matter to you or they don't matter to you the the fact is that studios seem to release the uh, the more quality films around this time So, you know, spring break, summer, you get a lot of the big budget action films, you know, kids are home, they go to the theaters, all that sort of thing. And towards the end of the year, you tend to see these, these higher quality films. So there's three films I wanted to talk about, I I guess quickly for each one. But again, this is more of a theme. I'm trying to wrap this together. Um, what, What you have to remember is I'm, I'm just a regular guy who comments on movies from a regular guy perspective. Okay. So I, I think there's something that's going to connect these three that I'm about to talk about. Um, you know, if I was a flowering New York Times writer talking about film reviews, uh, I'd probably be talking about films nobody ever heard of, for one thing. But um, I might better be able to articulate this. But but let, let me try and say, the three movies I want to talk about is one is called She Said, okay. The others called The others called Till. It's Emma Till, and then the last one's called Emancipation and there's a thread in here that kind of connects them uh, that I that I want to work towards. So okay. this movie should, uh,
0: So this is where we take the break.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, those are it's the called. Three we'll get back. It's called the teas.
0: So now we have the teas. We'll, we'll come back. Got to teach you a little radio jargon. Okay. We'll come back with more of Chris Mexanic, the MidCityMovieGuy.com and three of these uh, potential award-winning films. Um, but just a moment. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and six nine FM. This is the six nine FM, Rochester Today. Andy Brownell with Chris McSanick, the midcitymovieguy.com. And um, I'll say I have seen commercials for all three of these films, so I'm interested.
1: Right. So I, I think these are all legitimate uh, contenders uh, for awards. If you don't care about awards, that's fine, too. Um, but I, I I still think that all three of them are, are, are good and worth seeing. And there's, you know, some other people have had differing opinions about some of them. But the first one I, I talk about briefly, and then I'll talk about the connection I'm trying to make is a movie called She Said. And this is Kind of like a, I guess I'd call it sort of a Watergate type film where, you know, you've got two reporters, in this case for the New York Times, and this takes place in 2016. So, uh, or was it the Washington Post? I, I think it, I thought it was New York Times. And, um basically what they they've been hearing rumors about the uh, harvey weinstein character uh this the sexual abuse harassment of uh some of the women in his organization and some actresses I think uh Ashley Judd plays herself by the way she 's in the film uh, uh actress named Rose McGowan and then gwyneth paltrow so we don't have to revisit all of the horrible things weinstein did i i met i met him once uh, in 2013 and the vibe that he put out is really as creepy as it gets so i mean oh, really? if somebody said something i'd be like yeah I, I i yeah i you know i i just it is about as uncomfortable being next to this guy as as could be so um but again, hey, I'm not a juror. I'm not making any any comments i think I think the law system uh the legal system has spoken and and I think he's sitting behind bars but yeah, a kind of a big creep in the industry and so what the film tries to do is to say to get these women to come forward and testify and eventually, I think a lot of them did uh eighty two women eventually accused him eighty two of sexual assault um and he's serving a twenty three year sentence um so there's something to be said there. Uh, and you know this is what really launched the whole Me Too movement and the the believe her. You know there was a time when uh, people on the on the left side of the political spectrum was like never question anything a woman says if she says somebody abused believe her right. Do you remember this? Oh yeah. Okay, so that's the transition that I was going to make, as tenuous as it may be, to the next film, which is the Emmett Till story. In this case, it's really a tragic, horrible story about people that did believe her, and there was a the uh, a woman was named Carolyn Bryant that was the accuser, and she said that uh, Till was, you know, I don't know the the the. What is it? The the legend is that he whistled at her, but he was making some kind of come on or something to her. Um, and uh, in fact, she later admitted that she lied; that she shouldn't have been believed at all. Um, and uh, it's a very terrible story um, about uh, the uh, that he was basically Emmett Till, young 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 guy from uh, from the north who went down to visit in the south was uh, was killed. Very terrible, horrible thing. And in this case, the film. <sighs> I think the film is less about that incident than it is about what happened afterwards, and that is that his mom, Mamie Till, uh, became an, uh, an activist, all right? And um, one of the most significant things about the incident is that she lobbied to have uh, an open casket for her son, okay? She wanted the whole world to see the brutality that uh, racism had um How it had manifested itself. Okay. So I think that that's that's an interesting thing. Now, the the thing I want to say, and I'm not trying to dismiss this film, I like the film a lot, but it would be hard not to make a movie that's engaging and emotionally infuriating on this topic because, you know, this was in the headlines. You know, there's the, the photo of Emmett Till in the casket was on the front page of newspapers, right? And probably more than anything, this image, that image was a watershed moment for for civil rights, right? When you see this picture, you're like, you can say it doesn't exist or it's not as bad as you made it sound. But when you see a picture like that, you know, it's like you're at a loss for words. It's like, yes, that's all you could say is yes. Do you know how impactful that image
0: is when you bring up Emmett Till? I can right away see his casket.
1: In my mind, right exactly and and that's and that's why I think that's why I want to transition to the third film and that's Will Smith's film called Emancipation. So what, what what is the connection here? Well the connection here is the movie is basically about a character, That's a true story called uh, Peter, whipped Peter is what he's what he's called. There was a photo that I think is comes out of National Archives or something like that. It was in Harper's Weekly of this slave with this absolutely ravaged, scarred back from whippings that most people will have seen from the 1800s. Um, If you can't picture it, it's just do a search for whipped peter and no i I
0: know exactly which photo you're talking about yeah
1: i think most people have seen it and and again just like emmett till was a watershed for civil rights this photo was sort of a watershed moment for the for the abolitionists it's like this is this is an evil institution and we're we're doing a good job trying to get rid of it and have that and so what the the story of course behind so then they have to make a story about uh, about uh, peter's life and um that that's and this is on uh, i guess it's uh, what apple apple tv apple plus apple tv plus um so it's it's it shows it it begins let me let me this is kind of spoilers but it, it basically folds unfolds like this there's a bunch of slaves that are forced to work on a railroad but then they get word that lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation so it's like well we're not slaves anymore right and you know it didn't exactly work out that way right because the the word of 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 the the slaves being freed didn't get to every nook and cranny and even some of the crannies you know they they had differing opinions you know so even though the slaves were technically freed um this group that peter was associated with was still um still um held held against their will and forced to work uh horrible conditions horrible conditions so to say he was a runaway slave is not correct because he ran away from slavery but he was not a slave once the emancipation proclamation was signed but it it does a lot of um it the, the movie spends a lot of time with him trying to escape to uh i think it was texas where Lincoln's soldiers were or Lincoln's people were. And, um, you know, there, there he would find, you know, his, uh, his salvation, right. Uh, sanctuary, I guess it's the word I'm looking for. Some people have said, this is basically a film about Will Smith running through the bayou. Uh, and, and I think that you could have cut probably a half hour out of the scenes of him running through from Louisiana, you know, through to, through to his, uh, his, his his escape, ultimate escape. Um, but you know, look again. They didn't consult me in the editing room. Uh, but I still think I think it's a good film. And you know, a lot of people are trying to connect. Oh well, Will Smith's trying to get past the, the big slap. And I I guess I don't think people care about that anymore. I'm not even sure they cared about it then. It was just, <laughs> right. It was it was something newsworthy and you know, famous people behaving badly or whatever. And I, I think everybody's moved past that. So I think if you look at this. Uh, for what it is. I mean, will Smith's actually a, a, a pretty decent, pretty good actor he is. and um I think this is an important story that 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 should be told the the backstory to this famous photo, right of uh, of uh, you know, whipped Peter. I think this I think this is an important piece. And as I said, just just like the the other photo was a watershed as as is this one because, you know, the picture tells so much more than. than than the words that we craft. So that's kind of why I want to tie these three together. And, you know, as I said, the connections are a little bit tenuous, but I think these are three of the better films of the season. Okay. uh, Yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about them together.
0: Well, that's excellent. It's perfect timing too, because we're out of time.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: And I did not consult with you either, but no, um, you did not. I appreciate you coming on as always, Chris and, uh, Thoroughly enjoy the program, and I'm going to, hopefully, between now and the next time we talk, check out at least two of those films. So. Sounds good. I'll see if I share your opinion or not. But I, I had heard the same criticism about the Will Smith film, and I started pondering, um, I don't know if there's a Will Smith movie I don't like.
1: Exactly, exactly, Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, he's usually they're usually thoroughly entertaining. And I think he does a pretty uh, when he did the the one where he's the father of the Serena sister or the.
1: Right. That was just again, that was just last year. And it was, and that excellent. was a phenomenal film. Yeah. 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 yeah
0: no, All right. He's, he's the, uh, yeah. I'm the one who said we're out of time, so we better skedaddle. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Chris McSanick, the Med City Movie Guy. Uh, Rochester Today, News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM.
1: Hi, I'm Al Averroa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth.